guys this morning and those that may be joining a little bit later. My name is Rob and I serve as one of the pastors here. And so we are, we're here. It's New Year's Day and I know what you guys think I'm going to speak about. Resolutions, right? What are we going to do this year? What are we going to do different? We're going to read our Bible through the year. We're going to stop sinning so much. We're going to do everything, right? It's going to be, it's just going to be a high charged message on what it means for us to live completely differently in 2023, right? Then we all check in in February and we're like, ah, we all failed at that, right? Some of us gained about 10 pounds in February, even though we signed up for that gym membership, which by the way, gym memberships are the hardest things to get out of. Did you know that? I don't, know, I don't know what it is, but if you, if you sign up for a gym, you might as well just figure you're going to be going to Anytime Fitness or at least signed up to go to Anytime Fitness from now to when you're 80 years old because there's no way out of that contract, all right? So we do that. We sign up for gyms. We sign up for different things. We, we think about the fact that we're going we're gonna to do, we're gonna, we're gonna do less of the things that we did in 2022 that caused us to spend too much money. And we do all these things and we call them resolutions, that we're going to be resolved to do things differently. And what happens is we wind up by mid-February, if we're lucky, and we realize that, hey, I, I was going to read my Bible every day, but I missed two days. Oh, forget it. Or maybe, you know, we say, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going we're gonna to save money. And then by February, there's a car repair. And it's like, ah, might as well just, just stop. What is it about the way that we try to make things better than they were the year before or, or, or even the day before? What is it that always causes us to have these great intentions about what we're going to do? What is it that causes us to have such short timeframes of results and why we can't stick it out for the long haul? I would submit to you part of the reason why is that a lot of the good intentions that we have focus solely on things that will make us look better, feel better, but we never think about, does this bring me closer to God? <clears throat> I think we look to see whether or not our friends will treat us differently, whether or not we'll have more resources to do the things that we want, but we never focus on whether or not the things that we want to see happen in our life, does this put us closer in the center of God's will? What would it look like if us here at The Rock, what if we just said, you know what, in 2023, I want to do my best to be in the center of God's will. What, what would that do if we literally just took that one phrase seriously, I want to be in the center of God's will. I think that would drastically change our church. If we, if we took it seriously, I'm, I'm saying, not just that we put on banners and bumper stickers and we get t-shirts and we do all this stuff and, you know, 2023, God's will, centered, you know, something cool, right? No, I'm just saying, what if we just on our own decided, why don't we just do what God wants for us? What would that do to your life? What would that do to your day if you just made it your goal to be as close to Jesus as possible? Man, 
Because everything in your life would, would then be under that theme. Instead of trying to accomplish all these resolutions, we have resolved to do what? Be closer to Jesus. This was a prayer that the Apostle Paul had for the, the, the church and the churches in a city called Colossae. And he does mention it in a lot of the other epistles that he writes, but primarily and specifically, he writes to this church in Colossae that was going through, just like all the other churches that he was writing to, going through different things, going through different struggles. Some churches were going through uh, issues of poverty, uh, always persecution, but there was always this underlying current of false doctrine, false teaching, things that would get them away from being in the center of God's will, still, still doing good stuff, but not being in the center of God's will. And so in, in this Letter that he writes to the church at Colossae. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 if you want to get there and get ready to, to read it with me. What if it, he focuses on one thing. He says, hey, I, I just want you guys to live worthy of the calling that you have. Because guys, that's what it means to live in the center of God's will. That you're, to the best of your ability, by the grace and mercy of God, living the life that God wants you to live. So part of, our, part of our, our, our thought process when we think about what it means if we just would pray, hey, can we be in the center of God's will? Part of that thought process has to be, what does God want from me, right? What does God's word say about who I am and who should I be? And so we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, and we have verses 9 to verse 14. So what I'll do, just to kind of set the context, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 8, and then we'll get, start reading 9, um, and then we'll go forward. So if you want to stand in respect for the reading of God's word, so the slides for 1 to 8 aren't going to be up there, because I, I just chose to do this now, because I think it sets the context. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and, and, and Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father for our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, and we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and truly came to appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has told us about your love in the spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving to the father who has enabled you to share in the saints inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks for standing. You can be seated. So Paul, Paul had this 
unique opportunity. And when I mean opportunity, I mean being put in prison. (laughs) That he writes most of the New Testament. And a huge chunk of the New Testament are these letters that Paul writes to individual churches to get them to whatever their next step was. So for the church at Ephesus, Ephesians, the letter to Ephesians, he spent about three and a half years with them. They're a little bit ahead on some spiritual things, but he writes this letter and still rebukes them for a couple of things and gets going. The church at Philippi, uh, he wants them to remember joy. Uh, you know, and so when the, church, the churches of Galatia, he's really concerned because they have, instead of listening to one gospel, they now have chosen another gospel that's not really foreign in what it sounds like, but it's a gospel that's not the true gospel. So by the time he writes to the church, at Colossae, he has all of these other things chronologically in this head. And so when, when God uh, moves him to write this letter to the church at Colossae, you know, Paul has to hunker down and really say, okay, what, is, what does God want me to say to this church? Because, I mean, he could say anything. He's an apostle, right? He could talk about whatever he wants to talk about. But one thing that we understand about the apostle Paul and those that, that God used to write the word of God and were moved by the spirit to write exactly what God would have him to say and not say what he didn't want them to say is that he had to be hunkered down and really think, okay, what does God want me to share with this church? I don't think he had any idea that it's going to be something that we're going to be reading now. But God moved in such a way through the spirit of God that it literally captured exactly what God has for us. And we can trust it because God's word is infallible. So what did he have him say? And he said, so so obviously in verse one, he talks about, you know, he's the writer of this and he calls himself an apostle to let them know that this letter does have love, but it also has authority behind it. And he says that that, that Timothy, his, his, his young apprentice is with him. And so he's also greeting them. And then he says, hey, this letter is specifically for you. This isn't some general epistle. This is specifically for the church at Colossae. And he says, and, and the reason why I'm writing you is because you guys are faithful, but you're not just faithful your faithful family of ours. And one of the things that we have to remember about growing and trying to stay in the center of God's will, especially as a church, is that you and I need to move forward together. That, that Christianity isn't something that, that, we, that, that we do in silos by ourselves. That we, as a church, are accountable to one another. That you and I, are, we're supposed to build each other up in the faith. And I know that sounds cute, and I know that sounds cliche, but the problem is a lot of us, in our own church, don't know half of the people in our church. And we have our little cliques and we just hang out with our little circles. And I want, I want one of our prayers to be for this year is that we realize what it means for all of us to be a part of the same faithful family. That being in the center of God's will is that we do know one another. That it's not just a Sunday thing like, oh yeah, that's the person who sits over there. Man, go over and say hi. Because he says, hey, even though you're in Colossae and I'm in jail, you are my faithful. And then he puts brothers and sisters. Now, the thing is, some of us don't come from families where brothers and sisters get along. Some of us haven't talked to our siblings in years because there was a fallout. I'm here to tell you, there should be no fallouts in the house of God. I'm I'm serious. If there's an issue with one of get it right. Because there's no way we can go through 2023 with us not talking to each other because, oh, they did this. Get over it. Forgive. And if you need us to help you, myself and the rest of the elders, we'll set that up. 
We can't go forward if there's some of us here not realizing that we're faithful family. So he makes it clear, hey, we're family. And then he says, here's, here's his greeting, grace and peace from our God, our Father. And I, and I love how he puts this in, in all of his letters that he prays that this unmerited favor, this supernatural enabling that comes only through the Spirit of God, through salvation, that you and I can live the life that God wants us to live. That's only by the grace of God that we can even follow the Bible. And then he says, because of this grace, because of this faith, that like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talks about, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so nobody can boast about it. He says this grace and this faith that we have includes peace. And so he says, my, my, my greeting to you is that you have this favor, this, this ability that allows you to have peace that passes all understanding. And then he gets into what he wants to talk about. He says this, so he says that he thanks God Remember, this guy's in prison. He thanks God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he prays for them. So another thing that I think is important about being in a local church and being in the center of God's will is that our thoughts about our relationship with Jesus, our thoughts about our faithful family, should organically include thanksgiving and praise. What I mean by that is this. Some of us have a default to be Debbie Downers and complain about everything. No matter where you are, you find something wrong with me, something wrong with the church, something wrong with chairs, something wrong with, with the way our, our, our parking lot is, something wrong with, there's always something that you have. And the thing is, in 2023, I'm asking you by the Spirit of God to get over it. It is not your spiritual gift to be a divider. That is a gift of the enemy. Well, pastor, that's just my opinion. Great. Have your opinion filtered through the Spirit of God, and you'll see how usually most of your opinions will be gone. Faithful family includes thanksgiving, not complaining. Paul says when he thinks of this church, and remember, I mean, Paul, you've heard Paul be very strong with churches and say, as an apostle, I'm telling you to knock it off. And this one, he goes, every time I think about you guys, I just, I'm just thankful. And why? He says, why? Because they've heard, he heard about something. What causes us? So here's the other side. If you don't want people to complain, don't do, do things that they can complain about that's worthy of complaining about, right? So he says on our, on our end, here's what we do. We walk in a way that people know about our faith in Jesus and the love that we have for one another, so my, my thing is this, if, if like we're going out there and other people see us, is everything that we say just negative? Is everything that we say just, just complaining or conspiracy theory or whatever it is? Does it go against the fact that you're thankful for where God has placed you in your life? Because you're not in the center of God's will if you're complaining about every step you take. 
And some of us, I'm telling you, I get it. Some of us have, have, have grown up in broken homes or homes where mom and dad complain about everything. Or we've seen the hurt of ministry. We've been hurt by a pastor or hurt by a church or hurt by a sibling or hurt by a parent or hurt by a teacher. But the thing is, to be in the center of God's will, we have to claim that we are new creatures in Christ. Now, I know it takes counseling. It takes some, some, some trauma therapy. It takes a lot of things for us to, to unravel all of the, the peels of the onion that no one has ever gone through. It takes work. It takes pain. It takes sacrifice. But if the end result is just for us to be mad at everybody, then we have not accomplished what it means to be in the center of God's will. Are we thankful Especially when we talk to God, are we thankful? Are our prayers, I want to ask you guys this question, are, are the prayers that we have, when we think about other saints, other brothers and sisters in our church, are, are, the, are the feelings that we have mostly imprecatory when we praise? What I mean is this, are you saying, Lord, help them, bless their heart? Does your prayer wind up sounding like, like, like the, the Pharisee and the publican, where you're just like, Lord, I just thank you that I'm not like everybody else. I thank you that when I come to church, oh, Lord, I look around and I just see all these sinners. I'm just thankful, Lord, that I am not like that. I mean, dude, 2023, get over yourself. Every single one of us are sinners that are saved by the grace of God, and that's it. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. It has nothing to do with your talent, your skill, where your family comes from. You would be in hell if it wasn't for Jesus. So realize that and live in that humility. So he continues to tell them that their faith is all over the world. And, and ever since they learned about Jesus. And then he goes, the reason why I also am thankful is because they, this church sent Epaphras, one of their own, back to visit him in prison. And so he says, part of me saying, hey, live in the center of God's will and being thankful is because God does answer prayer. I have it in the form of Epaphras being, like, I mean, think about that. I, I am in house arrest with the Roman government. They hate me because of what I say. And they let somebody visit me. That's grace. Him being there is grace. My question is this, are you like an Epaphras for other people in our congregation? That, let's put it this way. When you walk through the door, do people go, Ugh, or do they go, thank God? Are you an Epaphras? Are you somebody, people go, so they're coming, I gotta go. <laughs> what are we? So he says, so all for these reasons, because he's thankful, because of the faith that they have, we go into verse 9, he goes, since the day we heard of this, okay? So remember, he hasn't been there. He hears about their faith, right? They haven't, he hasn't stopped praying. So I want to tell you something. Being in the center of God's will doesn't put your prayer life on autopilot. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, okay, I'm in God's will. I've arrived. All I got to do is pray for my meals. And when I wake up and I go to bed, we're good, right? Because we've made it. We are in the center of God's will. I'm telling you, none of us have made it until we get to heaven. Being in the center of God's will is a daily struggle. It is a daily grind to stay in the center of God's will. So he goes, because they're living in the center of God's will, Paul's like, yo, we got to pray more. So for me and you, we have to pray. If we realize, man, God is moving us towards the center of his will, our prayer life should increase and intensify, not just go on autopilot or maintenance mode. 
And so he says, I never stop praying. And this is what they're asking. He asked them that you will be, he asked God that they will be filled with what? The knowledge of what? His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So here's, here's the definition, because the next verse says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. What does it mean to walk worthy of Jesus? Is that we have what God wants from us. That we have this relationship with the Spirit of God and the Word of God that we know what's a green light and what's a red light. That we know what the next step is as we ask God to give us our daily bread and be that lamp unto our feet. That we know this is the right way, that's the wrong way. That we have the knowledge of what God's will is. And then when we know God's will, that we have wisdom that comes from him and spiritual understanding. So another way we can put this is this. In order for us to walk the right way, we, know, we need to know what the Bible says. You won't know where to go if you don't have spiritual understanding. And all wisdom. And wisdom, what, what is what the beginning of wisdom? To fear the Lord. How do we find out about the Lord? Through here. Through here. And it's about time that we start reading the blogs less and start reading our Bibles more. God has used tremendous people to write great things. But those things fail in comparison to his word. Sometimes we've taken the supplemental material and made that the main meal. I don't know about you, I love mozzarella sticks, right? But if someone's going to give me a plate of, and you guys know what my favorite thing is, beef wellington, am I going to take mozzarella sticks over beef wellington? No. But some of us take the mozzarella sticks of like some blog instead of feasting on the full meal here. And this is where you get your guide. This is where you get your map. This is how you know where to go and where not to go. If you're not in the word and just reading what people wrote about the word, you're not going to be in the center of God's will. I'm sorry, you're not. You may be God's will adjacent, but being God's will adjacent is being out of the will of God. We have to get into the word. So we have this knowledge. We have this spiritual understanding. Why? Okay, so what does it mean to walk worthy in the Lord? is to do all those things, why? Why should we be in the center of God's will? Because that's a good question sometimes we don't answer. Why? What is so great? I mean, it, so it sounds really kind of dumb for a Christian to ask it, right? Why should we be in the center of God's will? Well, how would you answer that question? Well, be because Pastor Rob said so. I mean, come on, like, like it's God's will, like, duh. No, what does it mean? Here's what he says. To, to walk worthy in the Lord, verse 10 says, to fully please him, and here's the other part, growing, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. So to walk in the center of God's will isn't to be in some central location. It's to continue to move down the path, being in the word of God. And while you're doing that, other people are going to see this growth. Other people are going to realize that you are walking worthy of the Lord. You being in the center of God's will is what it means to be worthy of what God has given you. Sometimes we don't put those two things together. Being in the center of God's will isn't just cool. It isn't just some lofty goal. It isn't just some theological thing that we say to go be in the center of God's will. Amen, brother. No, no, no. Being in the center of God's will is what keeps you safe. Being in the center of God's will is what makes you worthy of the gift that you can't pay for. Your salvation is free to you, but it costs Jesus a great deal. Is he getting what he paid for? No. Is he ever going to get what he paid for? No. 
But the way we show that we're worthy of what he did is by following him. Are we going to get it wrong? Yeah. A lot? Absolutely. But it's safer to, to, to trip down and fall trying to be in the center of God's will than to fall being outside of, the God, of God's will. So where, where are we headed then? He says, as we grow in the knowledge of God, so continuous growth comes from continuous uh, diving into the word of God. It says that it strengthens us with all power. From, so God literally gives us his power, and it says it gets ignited when we're in the word and growing. God's words and his power comes from us growing. And the thing is, though, it's not like you didn't have it before. As soon as you received Jesus, every one of us received all of the spirit with all of his power. It, we have access to it. But some of us just have left it in the garage. We've just, hey, for we have taken the power of the resurrection and we put it in a nice little case with a lock in case of emergencies. Instead of realizing that is the daily power source that we're supposed to be using all the time. We have, we have been running on auxiliary battery our entire spiritual life. When the real power comes from being in the center of God's will. And he says, why? So what happens? God's will gives you endurance. And this is the thing. Sometimes, you know, endurance and perseverance go hand in hand. Perseverance is the act of going a long time. Endurance is what gets you there, right? So the problem is that sometimes when we hear the word endurance, we're like, oh, no, this feels like it's going to be a long journey. Some of us don't want the God's will that takes years to cultivate, some of us don't want that relationship with Jesus that's going to take a lifetime to grow. We want it now. We want it fast. We're having a bad day, and we want everything just to, to numb us. That's why we go to pills. That's why we go to alcohol. That's why we go to all these different things that, that will never soothe us. Why? Because we want a quick fix, and the being in the center of God's will is a journey, not a sprint. But he says that part of the grace is you, he prays that you'll have this endurance, and not just endurance, great endurance. It's going to take a while, and that's why you also need patience. So he prays for them to have patience. And he says, part of being in the center of God's will and walking worthy is this. While you're going through it, while even in the, in the, the, the bad parts of being in the center of God's will, the, 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 the deep tragedies, the, the, the deep trauma that God will, will, will heal us, all those things, he says, I pray that you'll joyfully give thanks for Jesus. Because... Who is Jesus? Look what he says. I give thanks to the Father who has done what? Enabled us to share in something that we shouldn't have. Why should we be thankful? Because we're part of something that we shouldn't be a part of. The fact alone that we are able to have endurance and be, the fact alone that we even have a God to be in the center of a will of is grace. And he says our inheritance comes. And he goes, why? Why should we be so thankful for Jesus? Why, why is it important? Because the Bible says Jesus rescued us from something. Instead of walking down a path towards the center of God's will, every single one of us was walking down a path to an eternity separated from God. And God didn't have to save us. God didn't have to choose you. But he did. Not because of anything special or how you grew up or what church you grew up in. He didn't have to save you. He chose to save you. 
And the Bible describes it as redemption, rescuing, that he rescued us, what, from this dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of God, the, the son of who he loves. He goes, he loves us, he loves his son, and so because he loves his son, he said, no longer will you be on your way to hell, you are now on your way to heaven, because he loves us. So we can walk worthy because God loves us. And he says, because of God's loving, loving us, we've been bought back to him and you and I have been forgiven for everything we've done and everything we will do. So why stay in the center of God's will? Why, why try to walk worthy? Because God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for you. And when he died for you and he saved you and those who have received the gift of salvation, he made it possible for you to be transferred from utter darkness into the kingdom of light and God has given you every tool to walk worthy of him. God has given you every tool to stay in the center of God's will. So I'm going to ask you the same question as we close with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to ask you the same question that I asked you in the beginning. What would it look like for solid rock to skip all the New Year's resolutions and just say as a church, individually and corporately as a church, what would it look like if our only prayer was, God, we want to be in the center of your will. No matter what that means, no matter the sacrifices, no matter the changes, God, we just want to be in the center of your will this year. Would, would you pray that with me right now? If, that, if that's your desire, if it's not, if, you, if you're not on board with that, if you haven't bought into that yet, that's fine. But if you, if you feel, yeah, you know what? Skip all the stuff that I want to do. Let's just be in the center of God's will.